It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we, we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the CT Startup Podcast. I am here with uh, my co-host, Chris DeMauro and Ojala Naeem. And this podcast, again, is part of our Innovation Places series up in Hartford, uh, talking about what's going on in Hartford and how, uh, how it's coming up to be one of the, uh, the top places to come and live and work and play uh, in uh, the country and especially in New England. So uh, I'm going to let Ojala, uh, one of our newest co-hosts, uh, introduce this, uh, our guest here. Um, this is one, uh, I'm, I'm very interested to actually listen to this or, and to, to be a part of this because I've wanted to go to uh, this place for a while uh, because of what's happened over the past year. It really hasn't made, uh, made it possible. But, uh, but yeah, so Ojala, I will let you take it away. Thanks, Eric. Um, I am also super excited today because uh, we're going to be talking about some of my favorite things, Parkville and food. Uh, those are those are top of my list and have been this past year, especially with the pandemic. And I'm excited to have someone here that's uh, that's a neighbor um, from from the business perspective. And so we've got Chelsea Muta, who's the director of operations at the Parkville Market. Chelsea, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an exciting podcast to be 
to be joining you guys on today. And um, just like Ojala, super jazzed about all of the exciting things that are happening in Parkville and in Hartford in general. And I think, you know, um, like Chris said, after um, the year we've had people leaving large cities and coming to more medium-sized cities like Hartford, I just feel like we're not only on the verge, but some really exciting things have happened. Um, so yes, Parkville Market, we're the first food hall in Connecticut. So, um, you know, Pike's Place out in Seattle, Chelsea Market in New York, Faneuil Hall, Reading Terminal. Um, you know, we've, we've modeled our project off of a lot of classic and, and historic markets. Uh, we have 20 restaurants, three bars, uh, and, you know, once we're able to um, get our retail spaces back, they're currently being used as private dining rooms. We're excited to open up um, our second level to small retail shops, um, really poised for pop-ups or, you know, somebody who is, this is their first brick and mortar, or, you know, they might have a shop in, um, in another town and they want to bring sort of a Hartford presence downtown. Um, so we also have event spaces, ample outdoor seating, which has been super important in COVID and we're excited to be able to use it again now that the temperatures are warmer. Um, and then, you know, this project, this what currently stands at Parkville Market is just phase one of a larger project where we're going to be expanding to the other buildings on the property. So just super excited to get the opportunity to talk to you guys about it today. Yeah, that's awesome. Lots of, lots of stuff teased over there in, in that first opening statement, so I like it. Um, I'll, I'll start at the beginning, right? So you you mentioned this is the first food hall in Connecticut. Like what what is a food hall and what's the experience like? Like, is this like a place, like a market where I go, you know, a bunch of different stores and I just buy what I want or how does it work? So the first floor, I mean, so our interpretation of this is, um, is it's two levels. So we're in the former Capital City Lumber Company building, over a hundred years old. We retrofit this building, which was a um, warehouse for ladders and scaffolding, um, you know, just two years prior to taking on the construction here. Um, so, so we built it into a two level space. All the spaces are 200 or 400 square feet. So they're all in increments of 200. And on the first level, we have um, hot food restaurants. So um, barbecue, Brazilian food, Salvadoran food. So they're all restaurants where it's quick service. So tables are, um, tables are scattered throughout the building. Uh, and, and like I mentioned, we have some spaces upstairs that we're currently using as private dining rooms. Uh, we also have one uh, little grocery shop um, that we opened to bring in some international products um, and then hopefully soon to be more local products from local farms, from um, more local uh, uh, business owners in the area. You know, we're kind of in this um, startup neighborhood where we have Reset and we have Hands on Hartford that has a ton of food entrepreneurs and Knox Grows, which is a community farm. So really looking to start to bring those products into our little retail shop as well. Nice. So, you know, you mentioned the neighborhood. Um, I'm curious, you know, how did you come to the idea of like, hey, Parkville Market, like this is something we want to do. Like, how did that even come to play and, and why Parkville? So um, Carlos, who is the developer of Parkville Market, he's also my dad. Um, he, Lucky you. Uh, yeah, he, I have to say this is all his 
crazy wacky idea. So um, he and my mom um, actually grew up in the neighborhood. So our church is in this neighborhood. Our family's Portuguese. So Park Street is the main street of Parkville. And our, you know, fishmonger was there, the only place we could get, you know, dried salted cod. And there were Portuguese restaurants. And, you know, you could get a real Portuguese espresso at the cafes. Like, this is, um, you know, this is where we grew up going, my grandparents living. Um, so about 35 years ago, when he started in real estate, he, you know, really doubled down on the neighborhood. Um, and he has a passion for restoring old um, commercial uh, buildings. So he has owned this building since I think 1995. Bishop Slatter wow. was a tenant. There are two other properties on, there are two other buildings on the property. Uh, one of them was best floor. So it was like a flooring, um, flooring warehouse. Um, and then there had been a couple of other tenants in the building on the property. Uh, when Bishop's Ladder vacated the current building, um, I think I want to say like four years ago, he says, when he tells the story, he walked in and he was like, this is a market. This is a food hall, <laughs> um, which if you had seen it and I'll, I can share photos too. Um, it was not I like, I walked in and I was like, I don't understand how you can possibly have this vision for it. Um, but you know, the renderings that they put together about a year later, it looks exactly the way he envisioned it. So I give, you know, he a hundred percent has the credit, you know, our team just helped to, to bring it to fruition, but you know, it came from visiting lots of other markets and other cities, countries, um, like I said, our family's from Portugal. So there are lots of these sort of day markets with focus on fresh produce and, and food purveyors there. So I think that's, that's his ultimate inspiration. And, you know, I, I, I want to say as a big fan of Park Film Market, who has gone regularly, it feels like it fits the neighborhood. It doesn't feel like something that's gotten kind of shoehorned in there. It, it feels authentic. It feels real. It feels like it's always been there. Yeah. That's um that's super important to us. I mean, you you since you since you've been there, you know, like the tables we have there, like all of the tables are built out of wood that we pulled out of the building um, to to do the demo and put in, you know, more modern steel columns to support the infrastructure. But you know, we he is I call him a hoarder, um, but his reuse recycle mentality about everything in that building. Um, you know, it really brings that authenticity and we're not trying to cover up the brick walls or, you know, make everything shiny and new. Um, we wanted it to feel, like you said, authentic to um, to the neighborhood and, and to, you know, what's so special about Parkville. It's not, you know, it's not like super shiny penny, um, but that's what makes it, you know, so unique. Very cool. So uh, I'm, I guess I've been the only one that hasn't been there. Right. Uh, and so forth. What, so what was, <laughs> I know. Right. Um, so you, you talked about kind of, you have a, a hot food on the bottom floor. Yep. I assume that there's multiple different restaurants. So what was the strategy of going out and looking for tenants? I, Cause I assume it's, it's like, I mean, your, your father, just like a lot of people, they have a vision for it. Right. And, and it's the whole experience of it. That's their vision. It's not just the building. It's not, you know, so, so like, what was the strategy about going out and finding tenants? So our strategy was to look for local Hartford and Connecticut restaurant businesses um, and to make the business model very plug and play. So if this is your first time opening a restaurant, I mean, you know, the statistics, 
the uh, on the financials of opening a restaurant are staggering 100 150 250,000 dollars um to open the restaurant you have to find the space that you can retrofit so our goal was to make something that was really plug and play so all of our small stalls uh, which are 200 square feet, all, it, they come fully loaded with equipment. We, everything is brand new, the hoods. Um, and, you know, we work with our tenants to make sure we have the equipment uh, that they need in there. Um, and, you know, they're short-term agreements. So if you want to, you know, if you want to pilot your restaurant concept with us for a year and then leave and go open a brick and mortar somewhere else, that's a success, you know, that's a success from our perspective. So it was really important that it be plug and play, it kind of take care of that barrier to entry financially for restaurants opening um, and that it be local really, and that it be very diverse. You know, I think that's something that's something we're super proud of is that the cuisine is very, very diverse. Um, in terms of strategies of leasing the space, you know, we um, had six people when we, we had six restaurants when we opened in, um, in May, uh, we had signed, you know, we had had more on the back burner. And then of course, like this, this pandemic changed everything for everyone. So really proud to say that within about six months of opening, we were full, which is really exciting, but they weren't necessarily the leads we had, you know, when no one knew the pandemic was, was coming around the corner. So, um, you know, where we have a Puerto Rican restaurant, which is super important, Frog Hollow being just up the street, like I said, Salvadoran, we have uh, Mexican, we have Tex-Mex, uh, Brazilian, um, and, uh, barbecue we you know we really do work to make sure that everybody in there has their own niche and that they're really able to do well because they're serving um unique cuisines yeah i gotta say chelsea you know i remember meeting you a year and a half ago uh, before the market was up and running and kind of the, the vision um that i had heard of from carlos and then sort of how you were operationalizing it and it was super exciting to me. I'm a big fan of Parkville. Um, you know, this is just, I live in Parkville right now. And um, seeing something like this come to life totally was excited. But I don't think that everyone necessarily bought into that same vision, right? There was definitely a lot of naysayers, as there tends to be every time something new and great is coming into Hartford. Um, and there was some folks that were like, ah, how would something like this, this come to life? So I have to say, I mean, I think it's a testament to the work that you've put in and to Carlos's vision to really see this come to life. Um, to me, just, just from how it's um, minutes to do and how busy it gets and how, how, you know, great the food is during a pandemic. I think it's such a huge success and this is just a starting point, right? So curious to hear from you and whatever you're comfortable with sharing, you know, what were some of the big challenges leading up to launching this in a pre-pandemic world? And then what do you see the challenges being now coming out on the other side of it? Pre-pandemic was definitely, you know, the construction, we finished construction in April. Like we, you know, there, you know, Carlos, there's no way he wasn't going to open that building. If we were going to be able to have people do takeout, then, you know, sure we were fortunate, right? So it went from takeout to dine out to two weeks later, dine in. Um, we're very lucky we're in the state of Connecticut. If we were not, we would not have been able to open in a New York or in a New Jersey the way the capacity limits were, right? Um, Pre-pandemic, the big challenge was that we didn't finish construction until April. So trying to sign people on, you know, look at this pile of gravel that I promise is going to look like this kitchen um, was really hard for a year. Um, so it took 
uh, you know, it took some visionaries. It took, uh, you know, people who were just interested and excited in the, you know, financial promise, um, meaning, you know, they didn't have to put up a lot of money up front. They knew how to run a restaurant business. So this could be a good opportunity for them. But I would say selling people on the idea, you know, we had tons of naysayers. So selling people on the idea when we were in construction, like really, like I said, a pile of rubble and an old fact, you know, old warehouse building, that was probably the biggest challenge. Um, from a construction standpoint, you know, we were retrofitting a hundred year old building and Carlos had a couple of must haves for the construction that did not make things easy. You know, the windows, we have service windows on the outside for every restaurant. Um, and it would have been much easier for kitchen lines to be, um, to be in the back. So we would have, there would have been no windows in the back, right? Um, that created a real challenge for us. And so, you know, there were getting around some of those design elements, but in the end, having those windows during, you know, the pandemic was a huge lifesaver for us. So um, those were probably the bigger pre-pandemic ones. Um, and then, you know, post-pandemic, we were really excited to see the interest from restaurants who were saying like, you know, like I need a space where I'm not paying the overhead on, on seating because my seating is basically not valuable anymore. Um, and we had the outdoor space also, which was a huge, huge benefit. Um, but it was, again, getting people to come out. What are people comfortable with? Can we have music? Because can we control, you know, the crowd, um, you know, the crowd and getting people to sit down and, uh, and not stand, you know, while they're listening to music. So the whole time it was like all of the good things that were happening, driving people in the door were also things we had to be concerned about and manage and mitigate. So I think that was, um, those were really the, the biggest challenges, um, you know, once we were in it is it's getting popular. How do we contain it without being like, you know, without, um, deterring people from experiencing you know what we can experience right now you know there's that that's really interesting that you bring up this you know i wanted to touch on a couple of things you had said there um one you know i, I really appreciate the diversity of the food stalls right because like you said there's a lot of you know more exotic foods you know one of my favorite places is the brazilian place i yeah. love the yucca fries that's one of the, i get that almost every time and i'm always going and recommending those you know when i bring someone new there I'm like you gotta i'm getting these fries and you can have some like i'm getting them but you know you also get i don't go there to watch my weight either because you know you got uh you got some real good you know hearty meals that you can have there but you can get something from each station so that diversity really is like every time i go there right it's it's, I don't know what I'm going to get. I might know I'm going to get the yucca fries, but beyond that, you know, it's, it's free game. And then, you know, the other thing that you said that I thought was really interesting is that, you know, the business model, a success story for you is someone's there for a year and then they leave. Yeah. And that's, that's not a, you know, kind of a traditional business model in a lot of sense, right? Like most of the time, someone, you know, uh, a landlord in a sense, right? Wouldn't consider a tenant moving on after your success story, but if they are like ready to move on to a bigger space, right? That means that the business model of people being able to come in, you provide this turnkey kind of solution. Mm -hmm. It's, it's especially in an era where money is tight and a lot of people still have their dreams and stuff, you know? Um, so what, you know, I guess, how, how do you guys, uh, is there like an idea for kind of cultivating new businesses and such, you know, how do you plan on keeping people coming in? 
like that, you know, business owners. Business owners. Yeah. So I think I a hundred percent agree with you. It probably seems um, counterintuitive, but we, <laughs> we want to be, you know, we want to be the place where you can incubate an idea just as much as you see the value in being here for 10 years as a taco stand in Parkville market, just like you do see at Reading Terminal or at Chelsea Market or at Pike's, um, Pike's Market in, in Seattle. So for us, that person leaving and going and opening a brick and mortar, it just goes to show the the success of being in a space like this. If they've never opened a brick and mortar before with their own seating space, you know, they tested their concept and they moved on. That's a great sort of calling card for us. And then, you know, we um, we get inquiries all the time from, you know, from folks looking to have their first restaurant ever, you know, mom, mom's retiring, and she's been making pierogies for, you know, 30 years for the family. And this is like the thing she thinks she wants to do for retirement to, you know, people in other parts of the state that are thinking about getting into the Hartford area. So I think that's also, you know, what's been really exciting to see is, um, you know, folks from other counties thinking about opening their spot here in Hartford. And I think that will only increase, you know, right now, one of the bigger barriers I see is like, when are people coming back downtown for work? I think that's the, I think that's going to um, create a a little bit of a wave for everybody in the area. um, Because I think, you know, people are, people are wanting that security of, you know, we're going to have uh, downtown businesses back. Uh, But, you know, we go out there, we try other restaurants, we, um, you know, we solicit uh, with other uh, business businesses in in other parts of the state. And we get some out of state interest too. But again, I think, you know, for us, we're really trying to keep it super local. And, you know, when you think about us versus like a Chelsea market or a Pike's place, obviously been around forever, totally different echelon, but you know, they get tourists every single day. Um, They get millions and millions of visitors a year and they're able to draw on new people that are coming by just for the novelty, just for that day. We don't have that right now, right? We have to rely on a consistent base of the people in our community that want to come back daily sometimes, our firefighters, you know, uh, the children's hospital, uh, our police officers, council members, like these are folks that are in here multiple times a week. And without them and without serving their needs, we wouldn't be where we are today, right? We can't count on millions of tourists right now. It's really the people in our community that keep coming back. So we're very proud, proud of that fact. That's really awesome. I, I, I've definitely seen that myself in terms of the, you know, every time I go there, I always run into the same kind of local faces and it's, it's kind of a nice, uh, kind of like the, the cheers bar, but in Hartford, right? Yeah. So you got Parkville market. Um, and I do think that you guys have a lot of potential in terms of becoming a, a destination. I, I actually would consider you a destination already. Um, I've had plenty of like family members and friends from across the state, especially during the pandemic where like, we don't want to be indoors anywhere. Like last summer, I was probably there like, you know, every weekend, just like if someone wants to meet up, like here's a great spot to do it. Um, And it also works well because if you're going with a group of people and you're trying to figure out where to eat and Mm -hmm. someone doesn't like Mexican food or someone really wants Indian food or someone wants Thai, like whatever it is, you guys have so much that there's no, like, it's almost endless. I've been going, you know, over the last year, I don't know how many times I've gone and there's still plenty of uh, items on different menus that I haven't tried and and hope to get through. But um, 
it's I think it's a it is becoming a destination. It already is a destination spot, which is pretty great. Yeah, we're also I mean, you know, we're on that corridor between New York and Boston. And that's like the next frontier for us, I think, um, is trying to get people to know like, hey, make your stop here, stop here for lunch, um, you know, as you're on that drive. Uh, that's going to be an opportunity for us, too. And then, like I said, downtown is at a fraction of what um, it will be when offices start to go back. So we know that there's that, um, you know, with the parking that we have, um, which is, you know, tough. And that's something we're working on adding more to for the weekends. But during the week, you know, I mean, we have over 160 spaces. If you're coming, you know, downtown is six minutes away. It's an easy um, place to grab lunch. So, you know, we know there are some opportunities on the horizon that we haven't been able to to totally tap into yet. But yeah, being right off of 84, I mean, both of those exits, you can't miss our sign on 84. <laughs> we made it extra big. Um, so, you know, that's a goal for us is to be a stopping point also and to kind of be known between that New York and Boston corridor of, of a place where you can grab some good food. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say is that like, you know, talking about the tourist kind of thing is that like part of the thing about the innovation places and a part of the thing about what we're trying to do as Connecticut is get people from other cities to come to, to Hartford, right? From Stanford, from New London, from Litchfield County, right? And, and for us to go out there. And so it's one of those things where, I mean, let's be real. It's an hour and 20, right? In some parts of the state. I mean, I, you know, you get to one of the corners, but coming there for uh, a night, right? You know, going to the Parkville market, getting a bite to eat, going out to a restaurant or going out to a, a nightclub, staying over and going back. Like you want that in state too, not just necessarily out of state. So, you know, you're, you're adding to that, uh, um, you, you know, that environment that, that Connecticut's looking for right now. I think as downtown recreational stuff starts to come back as well, you know, we've been open this entire time during the pandemic, but I, you know, understand that a lot of uh, things downtown um, closed up for a bit. And so, you know, it's a benefit. Yard goats coming back, Harford Athletic, like that is all good. It's good for everybody. Uh, and so that's, you know, what we're really looking, we're really looking forward to. Like I said, you know, we're working currently on adding um, parking, working with the Department of Transportation to actually be able to park under, we're right next to I-84, can't miss it. So um, there's parking, we used to have the rights to park under the highway there. So, and it looks like we're moving in the direction of um, getting uh, getting to do that again very soon. So that'll add some parking for us. And then, you know, we're lucky, we have a couple of other parking lots in the neighborhood as well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a new neighborhood for a lot of our customers, a lot of them. But, you know, when, when we had music last Thursday, people were parked all the way up Pope Park Highway. They were parking um, in the plaza next door. They were parking um, at a couple of our other lots and, you know, their feet on the ground. And I think that's really where you start to see, um, you know, the like people embracing an, a new neighborhood and feeling comfortable in there. And the feet on the ground is what makes us feel less like a commuter city and more like a, and more like a, you know, New York, Boston. Yeah. City. And, you know, I just, you mentioned, you know, the return to recreation and stuff. You have been a, a godsend for my need to see music, you know, Ojala and Eric both know I'm a huge music person. Right. And I haven't really had too many opportunities to see music in the past year. I haven't, my bank account is confused. It's like, why aren't you spending money? Like you usually do, you know? Um, and so you know, your ability to bring back 
music in a sense for the community has been amazing. And I, I couldn't make it out last week. I had a work engagement, but it's good to know, you know, the word is getting out. The music thing is amazing. And it's, it's, it's a community service in a way because people still are coming there, you know, they're spending money on food and stuff, but it's a free show I get to see. Right. You know, and um, you know, another thing about that is, you're improving the neighborhood in a lot of ways, especially from the highway, you know, um, the aesthetic that you're giving, you're bringing to Hartford and to Parkville specifically, it's, it's been this slow process, but you know, it seems like every year the area is just getting a little bit better and a little bit better. It's just working its way out to the, you know, the outer edges of Hartford where, you know, for a long time, let's be honest, it just wasn't a pretty picture from the highway, right? You could see why people would have this kind of, you know, Hartford kind of attitude when you know there's a lot of gems and stuff but now you can see the progress right it's a visible visible progress um so yeah I, I again please do more music keep that going that's great I love that and um you know I really love that again you're driving by and you're making this destination and big old sign right off the highway Parkville Market makes people what is that I I need to know more yeah, yeah and, and having and seeing the people out there too. You know, we um, last year we worked with Parkville Sounds um, and we're doing some work with them again this year too for the music programming. Um, they're in there, you know, our neighbor, um, they have a recording studio and they work with a lot of different artists. And so, you know, they it's 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 fun to be able to um, it's fun to be able to put on something that feels social and lively. And I'm, you know, I'm hopeful this year um that you know we'll be able to um you know enjoy I f we feel like the fun police like no dancing gotta be seated um <laughs> so we'll you know we try to keep everything you know really um really sort of controlled but it's just fun to see people really enjoying the the outdoor space and like I said I, we're not quite there at our pre-pandemic um you know our pre-pandemic uh vision um but every every uh musical performance that we're able to put on there and you know seeing like i said po park highway cars parked under um 84 people walking and enjoying and you hear the customers talking and people walking up through the pedestrian gate it's it's really inspiring especially after a long winter where um i'm sure you know, many, many, many Connecticut businesses felt the same way we did, which was, it was like a little sad, you know, not as much, not as much traffic, not as many, um, not as many faces. And, and so it's just really fun to see the vibrancy come back, uh, come back into the neighborhood. So, so uh, about, uh, no, go, go, Joe. I was going to say, you know, you, you talked a lot about the, the neighborhood and, and the kind of community parts of community, how, you, know, you guys are careful in making sure the types of food vendors that are coming in are serving the community um, that's there. And I will say for, for our listeners, you know, one thing that I admire about the market is um, it's not expensive. It doesn't need to be expensive. Like you can go in there um, and spend, you know, under 10 bucks to get a really big meal between like grabbing some empanadas from Mofongo and grabbing tacos um from uh you know uh the gula grill and just a lot of different places so I, I think that's really great how else have you guys been engaging with the community you mentioned parkville sounds and i know there's a lot of um you've got some great neighbors i'll let you talk about them but how are you yeah. guys engaging with them yeah so we you know we uh work with the joy and ben over at hog river to make sure we have as much hog river beer as you know they're they're able to give us because they're very in demand as well um we 
you know, work with Reset. Uh, we're part of a culinary collaborative. So that's, like I said, Reset, Knox, um, Hands in Hartford, Swift Factory, Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. Uh, and, and so, you know, we try to be a consortium for one another to point uh, food entrepreneurs to the place that might make the most sense for them, you know? Um, and then, um, and then in general, like you said, having the price point, um, having multiple price points is really important for us. We also have, Carlos is just very involved in the PBA, in the local NRZ, uh, you know, he, the elevator was not always part of the original plan, but he had a meeting with the NRZ and the senior center was there and they were like, we really think you should add an elevator in here. And so, you know, we, he throughout the whole process is trying to figure out how do we make this valuable for the community? Cause like I said, without our regulars, without people who come in multiple times a week to pick up a fongo or um, stop in to get their twisted Italian subs, you know, we wouldn't, you know, we don't have that current influx of, you know, new customers every single day. So um, we, you know, we'll be part of the Hartford Marathon route this year, which will be really excited. That was something from the beginning that we were um, excited about, but obviously it didn't happen this year. So um, we try to work with the United Way, which is just up the road too. Uh, so we work with the chamber um, to be involved in the community as much as possible. And I think it will on only grow. Like a lot of folks come to us and say, hey, could I have this event here? You know, caroling over over Christmas um, for the um, for the local Puerto Rican community, they couldn't do their normal sort of um, caroling. So they ended up caroling at the market. So we just try, you know, I think it's a testament to, um, you know, our efforts to be very open for the community, how many people come and approach us to do local events. Very cool. So, uh, so I'm glad that you're here. You're going to be on the Hartford Marathon route. Uh, I will yeah. say this past weekend, which uh, by the time this airs, it's going to be a few weekends before, but I did shake on the fact that I'm going to run the Hartford Marathon this year. So, uh, <laughs> so I, you know, may, maybe I'll tell my wife and uh, friends to, to be, uh, to go there for so, to watch it. <laughs> the market is on the 5k. Uh, uh, well, so Park Street is on the 5k route, but we just did. So Beth uh, from the Hartford Marathon has been trying to work with us from the beginning we're so appreciative of that kind of support and so we just did a bib pickup for the um for the saint patty's day race we did our first event with them um in about a week ago and that went really well so i'm confident that we'll find a way to work with them for some other events and and you know i think as things slowly start to come back uh, I can just see the excitement and sort of the local pride um, swelling. And I think we're going to get, you know, just a lot more traction on these um, on these events in the city over the next year. Nice, nice. So uh, so I, I know I had to step away for a minute to, to grab my son. Uh, so I don't know if you hit hit on this, but I wanted to kind of connect a, a few dots. So I think before you said you, you're from New Jersey and your your father. So your father grew up in the neighborhood. Yeah. Right. And yes. so they moved out of the state. Right. No. So I oh, grew okay. up. In, yeah, I grew up in Connecticut. So I um, so I grew up in West Hartford, then Glastonbury. Um, but I spent all of my summers in Hartford and West Hartford working, you know, for my dad, probably when I was too young. Um, and and um, in, in, in that area with with family. Um, and then I went to school in D.C., then I lived in New York for 10 years and now I moved out to New Jersey with my husband. 
Um, but I started on the project in 2019. Um, I begged my father to let me come work on this project with him. He already had the plans going. I was at the time in brand experience at Blue Apron and was just looking, you know, to do something a little different. And this seemed to hit on a lot of the experience that I had had. So yeah, I had to beg him. I'll drive in three days a week, whatever you want. Um, and so we, I was, I joined in the construction phase. Um, but yes, I do. I am remote most of the time um, out of New Jersey. And then we have a team uh, on site. Nice. So, so your dad stayed local then? He stayed local in Connecticut? Or, yeah. yeah, he's a die. He's die hard, die hard, Hartford, die hard Parkville. Um, and I don't think, you know, he'll ever, he'll ever stop working. So. Well, so, and, and I just want to point out that is that, you know, like for a person like your father, right? He grew up, he saw what Hartford, you know, could be was, you know, kind of this thing. And it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, people like him who's been in around, he's seen the thing. And obviously my son wants to, to give his two cents on it is that, um, he's, he's creating momentum that is actually bringing in, uh, other people, you know, other talent. Right. So like, that's, that's the interesting part of this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. We have a lot of, um, we have a lot of folks who have never opened or thought about opening a restaurant in Hartford that ended up opening, you know, up with us here at Parkville market. But then we also see, you know, there's other great stuff happening in the neighborhood. You know, we have a, another, project that we're working on up the street that will, you know, probably be about another five years. But, you know, this live, work, play mentality about Parkville and so many other, you know, downtown um, with a lot of other developers as well, like folks are really bullish on Hartford and like, you know, he knows Parkville, this is what he loves. He loves taking old buildings that most people would shudder at. Um, and he loves the challenge. If you gave him a new building, he'd be like, what's interesting, you know, what's interesting cool. about this? Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's really exciting other stuff to come in the neighborhood that has the work piece um, and more, you know, and more of the live piece, which is, which is fun. And I think, you know, Parkville Market, he in part built it because it adds the value to the other things that he wants to bring to the space, you know, like we're so lucky, La Casita del Sabor, one of my, one of my favorites in the neighborhood, they have two locations up the street from one another, and they, you know, they're always busy, always full, both of them. Um, so, you know, I like, I like to think of Parkville as more of like a hidden gems kind of neighborhood. You have Harper's Flavor, you have all the artists at Real Artways um, and, and the night, you know, the, the happy hours that they do over there also, you know, we're just sort of building on and, and trying to amplify all the other great stuff that's already happening in the neighborhood. And it, it does, you know, when you know you have, you know, fifth, you know, when you know you have 10 to 15,000 people that'll come in to a food hall a week in Hartford in the middle of a pandemic, you know, it's, it's a helpful selling point for the other, for the other things happening in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's definitely adding a lot of value and vibrancy into the neighborhood. And um, I know Chelsea's being a little humble uh, talking about her own dad, but I think Carlos has done a great job across the board. Eric and Chris might not know this, but uh, Carlos was the person I worked with when we moved Reset into uh, 1429 Park. He was a co-owner at the time of that building and had led the kind of redesign of that building. And you guys saw how beautiful that was. Um, and then he's got, 
I mean, I could probably spend a long time just counting off the other projects that he has helped envision um, and, and led. So may, maybe we bring him back one day to talk more about Parkville. I think there's a lot that entrepreneurs can learn from him uh, and his story. So um, that's been really, really awesome. So Chelsea, you, you've hinted a little bit at, um, you know, kind of what's to come. Um, and I know some of that might be a little under wraps, but as it relates to the market, um, you know, you guys opened up uh, the space next door for more kind of seating and a few other things. I would love to wrap the call with kind of what's next for Parkville Market and what can customers expect? Yeah. So, um, and, you know, in terms of practically speaking, what's next is trying to add some more parking uh, and and trying, you know, not only that, but, you know, the fast track opening back up a little bit more people coming back downtown, trying to work with the with the city to encourage public transportation, people riding their bikes and then just making more parking available for sure. And then, um, as you mentioned, in the building next door. So uh, right as we were going into winter, we had all these tables outside and then we have this space next door that was pretty, it was in pretty good shape. We just had to do a little bit of touching up and add a bar. Um, and so we opened the space called the hall. Um, ultimately it has long-term, longer term plans to be a games and events space. So, um, you know, I, I was in Brooklyn before I moved to New Jersey and we had this awesome shuffleboard a uh, place called Royal Palms that was in the neighborhood and it was always jam-packed. My, co my colleagues make fun of me now because they're like, that's, you know, an old person's game <laughs> in Florida. This was packed every day of the week with young people, great food, great drinks. So, you know, we're working on building out a space that'll, that'll have games um, that you'll be able to come, you know, enjoy this seating area with you and your friends, reserve it um, and have some more activities that will be daytime, um, and then nighttime also. Um, and then upstairs in that building, eventually we'll put more kitchens as well. So we have uh, about, so 10,000 square feet would be this game space upstairs, 10,000 more square feet would be additional kitchens. Uh, and then we have this really awesome space um, at the back of the building, which will likely be an event space. So we're going to be, we have plans to add a rooftop bar up there. Um, and that space will, um, you know, be able to be used for private events. And then in the times when we don't have private events, it'll just be additional seating for, um, you know, for our, for our guests at the market. And then there's a little bit of space back there for a brewery or a tap room that we're also um, working on uh, finding the right fit for. So that's just in one building. Then we have a small, uh, maybe 5,000 square foot building that's kind of in the center of the parking lot. Um, and so that's recently um, come vacant. So we're gonna be working to put another food establishment in there. They'll have their own seating area. Um, and it'll be, you know, it won't be as quick service, you know, they'll have really their own kind of experience um, on site. And then when you first drive in, there's the building that's 1420 Park Street. Uh, right now that, you know, that's our employee parking lot right there. Um, but we are uh, in talks um, to, uh, you know, possibly work with a couple of other folks in the neighborhood to build out um, a, a different experience there. So um, again, these, you know, we're working to get historic credits for um, 1390 Park Street, uh, which is, you know, we, we were too quick. We wanted to move too fast on our current building um, to, to get those um, for the market. 
but we'll be doing historic credit. So really bringing it back to like its historic, um, to its historic um, look and feel. And um, so we're hoping in the next, you know, one to three years that those projects will all come to fruition. That's super exciting. So for all of our listeners, where can they find you in the digital world and where can they find you physically? Yes, so physically we are at 1400 Park Street in Hartford. You can't, like I said, you can't miss us. We're off the Sigourney uh, Sigourney and Sisson Avenue exits. And then um, digitally you can find us on our website at www.parkvillemarket.com. And then on Facebook and Instagram at Parkville Market. And then at Parkville Market on TikTok, which our marketing team is getting a hold of. I know nothing about TikTok, but they are <laughs> they are getting used to the platform. So we're on there too with a lot of great videos um, that I think have been, you know, really um, answering some people's questions. If they haven't been before, what's the space like? You know, what can I do there? So yeah. That's excellent. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, a lot of great gems there in terms of learning about the market, about the vision, about Parkville. Um, for all of our listeners, it is 100% my favorite place to go right now and probably will continue to be. Um, you always have a different experience and different food every time you go. So everyone, please go check it out. Uh, and thanks again, Chelsea. It was great having you. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. And we look forward to seeing everybody out this summer. Thank you. Need to go back. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or as some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative, growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.